All right, now back in here to kick off this week's show is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. You can visit him and improve your golf game this winter at his indoor facility, which has all the latest gadgets and technology at his home down in Naples, Florida. TP is teaching this summer somewhere in a continual loop from Carmel, Indiana, all the way to the east end of Long Island and back. So like I say every week, if you're on any of the major interstates along that route and you see a white Chevy Silverado, Beep your horn at Tom and get him to pull over at the nearest rest stop. He can help improve your game right there. That's too much trouble. You can download the V1 video app and send him videos of your golf swing. He's going to respond to you with all kinds of great content and information about your swing. You can send him a question via his website, TomPatry.com, where you can also subscribe to his newsletter. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board. Has his own show now Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Instagram Live with some of the best guests that you're going to find anywhere. I love the show. TP's a great host now. You know, don't, don't let him sell you short. He does such an outstanding job. I love watching the show every week, and I'm glad to have him back with me again this week here on Next on the T. Hey, TP, how are you, my friend? Trusty boy! <laughs> Tommy, how are you, TP? I'm good, Chris. I'm, I'm a little sad this week, Chris. My my Yankees are tanking it. They're tanking it terribly, man. They're 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 playing almost at a Red Sox type level, so it's really kind of miserable right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, a little little New York humble pie for you. Just just remember, oh, this century just... nobody dominates sports like Boston sports. Oh, Don't forget that, really, my friend. Really oh boy. So you're, you're so you're now you're a Tampa Bay fan, are you not? You're a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, I'm a Steeler fan. I'm not even a Patriots fan, but you know, I gotta I gotta pile on with the Boston stuff. But you know, well, you, I'm you, a Steeler you know, fan you know, and uh, looking forward to the season, my friend. You know, the Steelers open up with, don't you? The New York Giants, and we're gonna eat your lunch. <laughs> so, I, I need, I need on Monday night football for the whole football world to see. So don't oh, think you better keep your phone next to you. So I'll say it. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, it's gonna be a bad season. I'm just, I'm just gonna use the hiding somewhere. I'll be hiding behind the couch somewhere. <laughs> no doubt. So where are you, TP? I always like to try to find out where in the world is Tom Patrick this week. Well, I, I got to, I got to this week. I'm, I'm in your town, pal. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. I'm actually in Pittsburgh, uh, working with a couple of my college players who live here, who are obviously not back in school right now. Uh, a young man that goes to Minnesota and a young lady that goes to Kent State. Both very fine players. Uh, really, actually, very fine players. They're really good. Uh, we worked all day today, um, from seven in the morning till about uh, about an hour ago, and then we're going to work all day tomorrow. And then I get in the car the following morning. I drive back to Carmel, Indiana and uh, spend a week there, then two days at Victoria National, which I'm kind of excited about, Chris, where they just held the Corn Ferry Finals, and uh, I'm doing a corporate outing down there for Transamerica. And then, believe it or not, Chris, from there, I get to go home. So I'm pretty excited about that. Wow. Yeah. You're going home? Wow, good for you, (laughs) TP. We're we're, we're rounding third base heading for home, Chris. Yeah. And and as you you head for home, Rumor has it you have some exciting news to share tonight. Breaking news on Next on the T. I do. I do. You, this is going to, the first place it's going to be announced, Chris. Nobody else knows about this. This is this is a world premiere from TP Golf. Uh, I just earlier this week that I've been asked to be the first ever 
director of instruction at a wonderful place called Crown Colony in Fort Myers. Uh, they've never had a director of instruction, really nice facility, nice golf course, really solid golf course, a great practice facility, really a very healthy membership. So I will be their first ever director of instruction starting, uh, looks like just before the 1st of November. Uh, so I'm really pumped about that. Uh, a good buddy of mine, Dave Kent, is the PGA director of, I'm sorry, PGA professional, but also general manager there. And, uh, he inherited the facility about six months ago, and one of the uh, battle cries was to improve the instructional program. And they, uh, David, tapped me, so I'm off. I'm off to Crown Colony. Ah, congratulations! That's fantastic. So, um, as as you were saying that, I pulled up the the website, and uh, for those that want to uh, take a look and uh, potentially go CTP in, in November, CrownColonyGCC.com is the website. Talk about the facility and what you're going to have available for folks there, Tom. Yeah, actually, it's, it's, I'm going to be very fortunate, Chris. Um, I'm going to be able to teach non-members on a, uh, on a you know, scheduled basis um, so they can contact me directly uh, through my website or through my email or text. Uh, so tpatriotmindspring.com or my, my phone. All my information is on my website at tompatriot.com. They can contact me directly and schedule a lesson. Um, great short game area, wonderful past Palom range. Uh, they're actually in the process right now of building a brand new teaching tee at the back of the range for me, which will be nice and quiet and secluded for some private instruction. Uh, I will be able to give playing lessons at the facility as well. It's a really nice golf course, a Ron Garl golf course. Uh, it's funny, Ron Garl is in Lakeland, Florida, where I went to school at Florida Southern. I've known Ron for about 40 years. Um, so here I am circling back to one of his facilities. Um, so I'm pumped. I'm pumped, Chris. It's it's going to be a, a whole new chapter, and uh, and I'm really excited about it. And it sounds like the membership is kind of hungry for some instruction. They've never had a, a director of instruction, so it should be a it should be a heck of a winner. Ah, good for you. I'm very happy for you. I'm very happy for that membership and the folks in in and around Fort Myers that they're going to have uh, uh, the best in the game down there to teach them uh, whatever it is they need to know. You're the man. So congratulations, Steve. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate that, Chris. I really do. Thank you. Tom, I want to start our time this week by getting your thoughts on what we've seen from Dustin Johnson over the last several weeks. I mean, going back to the PGA Championship where he finished, you know, tied for second, then we saw him lap the field at the Northern Trust by 11 strokes, and then it, it wasn't for a miracle 66-foot putt uh, by John Rahm in the playoff at the BMW Championship. He might have won that, that uh, tournament as well. And then he wins uh, this past weekend at Eastlake. A heck of a run for him. What? What are your thoughts on what we're seeing now from Dustin Johnson? Well, well the fir my first thought is I, I was wondering if I could call Dustin and see if I could borrow part of that $15 million, you know, maybe to get the winner started. Uh, <laughs> 15 large, Chris, 15 large. You know what's really amazing that he's talking about, though? Do you remember what what's he that? shot at Memorial? Do you remember what he shot yeah, at Memorial? Yeah, I do. I do, as a matter of fact. I mean, we, we saw him, what, break, barely break 80. He broke 80. No, he did. He, I don't think he broke 80 one of the days. You know, so he he shoots a million at Memorial on on a hard golf course, but shoot, shoots a million, and then kind of you know vanishes for a brief period. Then all of a sudden he reappears and he lights it up for the last you know conceivably five weeks in a row. You know, starting like you said at the PGA, uh, and 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 like you said, if not for a miracle putt by John Rahm in that playoff. He would have kind of run the tables. I mean, just incredible golf. I mean, you know, just you lap the field in one of the events, 30 under, 
Um, you know, it, he, he's such a powerful player, you know, and he, when he gets it going the right way, and I'll tell you what, it's well documented about his wedge play being improved the last couple of years, you know, uh, with the use of track man and dialing and distances. But now I, I thought he just putted the ball beautifully this, this last week, a couple of weeks for that matter. I mean, just, you know, kind of really took his time. And he, he noticed he slowed down the routine a little bit and took some more time, but just hold all kinds of putts. I mean, I, you know, I, I know what the next question is going to be, Chris. I mean, we got Wingfoot coming up and then we got the Masters. Yep. You know, he starts driving the ball in the fairway and putting the ball like that and, and, and hitting his short irons the way he's hitting them. Um, I said, boy, I tell you what, I mean, you know, Wingfoot, I'm not sure about Wingfoot because it's just so tight and so penal. You know, a lot of funny things could happen, but driving the ball like he's driving it, putting like he's putting it around Augusta National in November, <laughs> I got I to gotta tell you, he, he's really looking strong right now, really strong. To your point, and you always have drilled into my head and you drill into all of our heads at the end of your shows on Thursday night on Instagram Live, short game, short game, short game. I mean, the guy drives the ball a mile. His wedge play yep. is, is much improved. And I think really his Achilles heel had been putting. I mean, we saw what, you know, what happened in the, in the U, uh, U.S. Open uh, a few years ago when he was on the green and two and really just needed to, you know, he had a putt to win it, had a putt to tie it, and then lost it. So... If that putting stroke is on like it has been, I can't imagine anybody beating this guy. And to your point, I want to talk about Wingfoot now because I know that's a golf course you're very familiar with. Talk about what it's going to take for someone to be able to beat Dustin Johnson based on his length and his ability to putt. Well, I, yeah, Chris, to your point, I, I spent a lot of time at Wingfoot through the years when I was at Westchester Country Club. For my 11 years as director of instruction there, it was right right down the street, basically. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I probably played 20-plus uh, oh, rounds of golf on the west course and maybe a, a dozen golf course, dozen rounds on the east course there. The west course hold, hosting the U.S. Open this year. Um, you know, it's a bear. It's a, hard golf, it's a hard golf course on normal days under U.S. Open conditions. I was just in Greenwich, Connecticut about a week or so ago. Uh, and I had dinner with a couple of Wingfoot members, um, who are good players. And they, you know, the, the muff is tough. It's, it's, it's really long. It's, you know, it's ankle deep. Uh, it's very healthy. There's no plans to cut it from what I understand. Uh, the fairways have been pinched in. The putting surfaces are, are difficult on a normal day. They're going to be, you know, irrespective of it raining at all. If it doesn't rain and it's dry and you get firm and fast. Uh, it's one of the best bunkered golf courses I've ever played in my life strategically. Uh, you're going to have to drive the ball in play. If you don't drive it in play, it's basically a, it's basically a wedge out or a hack out back to the fairway. It's not, you're not going to advance the ball to the green. Uh, the greens are so well protected and elevated that you can't, you're not going to be able to get the ball to the green from that rough. So driving the ball in play is going to be, is going to be a premium. I would not be surprised, Chris, at all. It would just shock me one bit, and you you might cringe at this one that over par wins that golf tournament. I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't shock me one bit if you know three or four over won the golf tournament there. To your point, Tom. I mean, you go back to 2006, right? Jeff, Jeff Ogilvy wins that U.S. Open with a final score of you know plus five. You're right. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see you know three, what three, four, five, whatever it is, over par win the golf tournament, but, you know, to your point about the rough and the, and the fairways being pinched in and the, 
elevated greens. Talk about what kind of golf, uh, what kind of player, I should say, does the golf course favor? Does it favor uh, a left to right player? We know Dustin Johnson kind of likes to fade the ball a little bit left to right. Is that does that kind of fall in line? Does that make him an even larger favorite, or does the golf course really uh, favor somebody that hits it right to left? You know, I, I think the thing about when foot, Chris, quite honestly, is you got to be able to move the ball both ways. I mean, you got to be able to, uh, and if you can't move it both ways, you've got to be extremely strategic and extremely patient. Uh, there are holes that go both ways. I don't think it favors either one of those players. I think that you know, the straight ball is a big advantage, and I think certainly. Uh, you know, I would think a high ball hitter would be a little bit better there coming into those putting surfaces. They're going to be that firm and they are elevated. So somebody can, you know, can hoist the ball up in the air. Now we know that certainly DJ can do that. You know, we know guys like JT can do that. Um, you know, we know that uh, Jason Day can do that. We, you know, we can name a lot of players that can do that. Uh, not all of them can move it both ways, however. Um, so I think you really you got to have to be very, very patient and pick your spots. Uh, I think you have to be very, very smart off the tee. Um, it's not a short, uh, and at par 70, it doesn't give you a lot of opportunities in terms of par 5. So, you know, you, you, you got to, listen, you got to go in there knowing you're in for a 15-round you know, heavyweight fight, and you're going to get punched a couple of times. You need to be able to take a punch and, and, and counter punch a little bit, but it's, it's going to be a long four days for those guys. It really is. So to that end, as you uh, point out, is this a, a golf course where, you know, patience is going to be at a premium because you are going to take your lumps, you are going to make your bogeys, but not to get too far down on yourself, knowing that so is everybody else. So sort of the patient player is going to have a really good opportunity to win because, you know, you put the, the bogey in the rear view, try not to make double or triple. and three, four, five over wins the golf tournament. Is that going to be a key? Is patience going to be a premium? I think, you, I think you're right on the mark, Chris. I, mean, I think you're a thousand percent on the mark. I think that uh, you, you're going to have to understand it over four days. You know, you might, the winner might make a triple somewhere and still, and still, and still be in contention. Just, there are going to be some big numbers out there. It just, it's just going to happen. So, you know, I think, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So patience is definitely going to be a, a very, very big factor at Wingfoot. So it, it, as I mentioned, the Jeff Ogilvy winning in 2006, we all remember what happened with Phil Mickelson. That should have been his U.S. Open, should have been the one he won. We know what happened on the last hole. So if Tom Patry is on the bag for Phil Mickelson, in some way, somehow, <laughs> Phil Mickelson is on top of the leaderboard, on the 18th hole comes Sunday late afternoon, and he wants the driver. Are you handing it to him? You're breaking it over your knee. I'm definitely breaking it over my knee. It's not even a question. It's not, he, he he might even get a couple others broken over over my knee too. I mean, you know that going back to that open, which was so hard to watch because the guy is so damn talented. Uh, and if, if you don't know the stat, Chris, if I remember correctly. Coming, walking onto the 18th tee that day, still with an opportunity to win that golf tournament, I think he had hit two fairways through the first 17 holes. Um, and here's a guy who obviously hits it plenty far. I mean, plenty far. So he hits three or four wood or whatever he has in his bag down there in the fairway and hits one more club into that green. And, and with that short game, if he misses the green somewhere, there's still a really good chance he's going to make four. Um, and, and he wins the golf tournament going away. 
how that driver got out of that bag in his hands, uh, you know, and I took some heat for writing this article back when this happened. I wrote an article for the Naples Daily News back then. I took a lot of heat for it, but I, did, I didn't write anything that, that 50 other writers didn't write at that point either. Um, but no, the driver does not get in his hand. No way, no how. So who do you, who do you like? You know, give me, give me a couple of players you think we're going to see at the top of the leaderboard come late Sunday afternoon. Well, I mean, I mean, my, my obvious first choice is Chris Mascaro. I think Chris comes down there. There you go. A lot, of, a lot of game and, and, and a lot of, you know, a lot of grit. And I think he's got a real hell of a chance. But if, barring, barring Chris, I mean, how do you not like Dustin Johnson right now? How do you not like, Justin Thomas playing the way he's playing right now. Um, you know, there's so many guys playing good right now, Chris. I mean, John Rahm obviously has got to be has got to be on the radar screen. I mean, you can't discount him. Uh, I mean, the kid has played good all year long, and nobody's talking about him. Is Brendan Todd? Uh, Colin Morikawa obviously has a ton of patience that we just talked about, and, and has got every shot in the bag. So there's so many guys playing good right now. Um, you know, <laughs> how do you how do you pick one? Um, I, I just I, I just think I, I'm not going to miss a shot. I'm, I can't wait to watch every single swing for four days. It's going to be great. Tom, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to get a couple of playing lessons from you tonight, and I want to start with setup and distance. We're standing away from the ball. How can we tell if our setup is too far away from the golf ball, or we're too far on top of it? Because I. I I was really blessed to spend some time in my in my career at Westchester during those Buick Classics every year with a with a fellow named Ken Venturi who we all know who Ken Venturi was. He doesn't need any explanation or any introduction. Uh, and and Ken Ken told me, uh, God rest his soul, that a fellow named Byron Nelson. Have you heard of Byron Nelson? Haven't you, Chris? I've heard that name. He was kind of he was pretty good, wasn't he? He was decent. Yeah, he was good. He's not bad. He, he, Ken told me that Byron told him you could never stand too close to the golf ball, and and I and I kind of I kind of cringed when I heard that because I've always felt kind of jammed. And Ken went on to explain to me that if you took your normal posture and, and didn't put a club in your hands, you just took your posture, you know, flex your knees slightly, bent from the waist, suck your rump out a little bit, and then just let your arms hang from your shoulders so they hang vertically downward. And wherever they hang, if you slap your hands together. That's how far you should be from the ball. Your arm shouldn't be extended off your body or in any contrived way held, you know, inordinately closer to your body. You sort of hang from your posture, and that's where you should slap your hands together onto the grip and, and go play the game. So I've always used that in, in, uh, in putting my players in a decent posture, first of all, you know, getting their body oriented uh, in, a, in a proper stance and setup and spine angle. And then I asked them just let their arms hang or dangle from their shoulders. And wherever they dangled, I'd, I'd stick the club grip between their two hands and ask them to place their hands on the club at that juncture. And that's, that's what they should feel like over the golf ball. Um, most of the players that come to my lesson tee, and I, I think most of the instructors out there would agree with me, teachers would agree with me, that most people stand too far from the golf ball. They reach for the golf ball, they get very disconnected. And once you're disconnected, you know, you, you've got loss of power, you've got You've got uh, a plane and a path that are going to be altered severely uh, in a negative way. So I think setting up to the golf ball and finding your spacing, as you're asking me about, Chris, is, is really vital to hitting solid golf shots. 
Next time, I, I want to get your thoughts on how we can do a better job of hitting three wood off the deck. I mean, I think a lot of us get to a point where we're we're chunking that shot, we're coming off of that shot. How can we do a better job of hitting fairway woods off the fairway? But, you know, Chris, that's a great question. I think that goes back partly, Chris, to fitting. And I think what people don't understand is that you need a certain degree of speed and certainly quality of contact to launch a low-lofted club off of a tight fairway line. And one of the things that's happened, I think, recently in golf, not, not so recently, but relatively recently, is that from an agronomy standpoint, we're playing on much tighter, much close, more closely cut groomed fairways than we ever have in the history of the game. And, you know, I can tell you in teaching my senior players in Florida who don't have, you know, the highest of swing speeds, uh, it's going to be tough to get that golf ball airborne with a, for example, a 13-degree three-wood. So uh, what I, one, of the things I've, one of the tricks I've played on a lot of my students is I've, I've taken a five-wood head and putting a three-wood length shaft in it, giving them some more loft, and, and, and they've, they've not really given up very much yardage at all and are much happy with the, happy with the results. Uh, I think a lot of times it comes down to the equipment itself and and understanding that, you know, on a, on a really tight line, if you're not producing a fair amount of speed, you're not going to get that ball in the air. It's just not going to happen. So that's the first thing I think that most people should look at is just look at their equipment. And most people that we teach at the club level shouldn't have a 13-degree three-wood in their bag, period. Just, just, let's just start with that. So interesting. You put a three-wood shaft in a five-wood head. Talk about what, how that changes things up. Obviously, the law. Well, how does that change it up? Yeah, the law, listen, first of all, here's the first thing I tell everybody right away. Loft is your friend, okay? Loft is your friend, okay? So let's get loft on our side. Let's put make sure loft is on our team. And then the three-wood length shaft you know, allows them still to create some leverage and some speed and some width in their golf swing. Um, so the combination of the loft and the length of shaft helps them still propel the ball pretty close to the distance they would hit a three-wood if they had it on a tee, for example, <laughs> and made it a lot easier for themselves. So uh, it's just, just a little trick that, I, you know, and I didn't come up with it. That was something I got from a fellow named Jack Burke. And, and so I'm dropping a lot of names here, and I don't mean to be doing that, but when you get information like that from people like Jack Burke and Ken Venturi, you need to pay attention, and, and you need to go out and apply that information and help people. TP, before I let you go, remind our listeners about your great website, how they can get video lessons from you, and then also follow you, whether it's on your website or on social media as well. Chris, you know, all the, all the usual spots, you know, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, certainly. Uh, and then the website is simply tompatry.com. And then, uh, like I said, I'll be starting at uh, the beautiful Crown Colony Club in Fort Myers, Florida, November 1st. And I will have available availability for some non-member lessons there on a uh, appointment-only basis. Um, and then, you know, on my Instagram live show on Thursday night at 8 o'clock, I have some great guests coming up. I've got, you know, Dave Moore, the, the presidency of Titles coming, uh, a lot of, a lot of wonderful guests. And I've got the great Chris Mascaro coming up soon. So people what? will be able to put a, a yeah, unbelievable, uh, in, a, in, a, in a 
return appearance, hopefully without a thunderstorm in the mount from the mountains of Georgia. <laughs> but we can really hear from, we're going to be able to put that great face with the name and the voice, you know, on on the on the big silver screen. So I'm really excited about that. So um, I'm looking forward to that one. I'm, I'm definitely you better have your A game that night, pal, because I'm gonna I'm gonna come right at you, right at you. <laughs> <laughs> as as some wise guest once said to me, you always get my A game. I heard that somewhere. <laughs> hey, you know, before before I go, I want to say I want to say one thing to everybody out there. I I I look forward to these 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 Tuesday nights with you very much. Nobody uh, does the game a greater service, and, and it's it's evident by being voted into that top fifty again. Here's a guy from you know from the from the foothills of Georgia who just came out of nowhere and he's doing a hell of a job with this podcast and, and making a lot of people smile and a lot of people learn and, and a lot of people enjoy and, and uh, doing a great service for the game of golf. So we are hats off to Chris Mascaro and, and uh, next on the tee. Oh, I appreciate you TP. You're the best, my friend. I can't thank you enough for being such a regular guest here on the show every week. You know, I love you, my friend. Don't ever forget that. We love you, pal. You're the best man. Take care, TP. Stay safe out there, my friend. We'll catch up in a couple weeks. Thanks, Chris. See you, Tom. That's a great Tom Patry. P-A-T-R-I is uh, how you spell his last name. TomPatry.com is the website. And, uh, folks, I'm telling you, Tom does an outstanding job on his Instagram live show. So that's Thursday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Tune in. You're going to learn a lot. He's got great guests every single week, and that's not including me. But uh, I, outside of me, he's got great guests every single week on the show. I learn a lot. I always enjoy tuning in and, and listening to Tom and his guests. He's absolutely fantastic. Look forward to catching up with him here on, and, uh, on this show in a couple of weeks when he comes back and also being a guest on that show as well.